the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, it is a delight to be here once again, as we do most Fridays in our third hour, with Rabbi Pinchas Alush. Rabbi Alush, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, is the host of the Rabbi Alush, Alush podcast heard on Apple Podcasts. He's also the chief rabbi at uh, Congregation Beth Tefillah on Shea Boulevard, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H, where he says all are welcome, religious or not, Jewish or not. It's been a special delight to have you here, especially on these Fridays, Rabbi, not only because we like to get everyone into kind of a, a weekend or Sabbath kind of mindset, but especially last several weeks, uh, it's been an extra privilege as we are uh, commemorating, or many are commemorating these high, highly, um, uh, highly religious, meaningful, special holidays, the high holidays, whether it's the New Year, whether it's Yom Kippur, whether it's the end of uh, uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles or Sukkot, uh, and what we're going into this weekend, which is, um, which is, uh, uh, which is. Um, not only Shemini Atzeret, but uh, but a celebration called Simchat Torah, which is the joy of the Torah. Many people may have in their images Hasidic Jews dancing around with scrolls. I think somehow that is related to this holiday. I woke up to an email from you this morning talking about uh, two kinds of love that help kind of frame the holiday that's going to be commemorated over the weekend, the joy of Torah, the joy of the Bible. Uh, two kinds of love which are kind of in a sense, uh, the kind that we've talked about before, one which is kind of passing, fading, evanescent, temporary, and one that is more permanent. And the joy of this holiday is about celebrating the permanent with something extra for no special reason, kind of a just-because holiday. And I wonder if you might uh, distill a little bit on that. Sure, yes. It, uh, first of all, it's a pleasure being here again, Seth. Thank you for inviting me every week. Um, so there are two types of love. Uh, I think that we all need to go through love type one before reaching love type two. But the first type of love is a love that is based on um, an external factor. So sometimes it's based on physical features. I love you because of your beautiful nose. Sometimes it's based on something a little deeper. I love you because of your musical interest. Or sometimes it's even deeper. I love you because of your values. But as long as my love is dependent on external factors, my love is in risk. Because if those external factors cease to be, then the love will cease to be. If you cease to have a beautiful nose and that's the reason for my love, then there won't be a reason to love you anymore. But there is a deeper type of love. A love in which I love just because. I love because we are one, and that's good enough for me. I don't need any reason to love. I'm just in love. And in a way, that's the type of love we are celebrating now during this new 
Jewish festival that culminates the festival of the tabernacles, as you mentioned, Simchat Torah, Shmini Atzeret Simchat Torah, in which God says to us and we say to God, we just love each other's company just because. We love each other just because. You know, if I had to, I'd not mention this in the piece I wrote, but if I had to maybe illustrate this uh, with another story, I remember that someone in my community was uh, unfortunately going through some tough times because his wife uh, was just diagnosed with Alzheimer and eventually deteriorated so much that she barely recognized him. Yet he would go every single morning at 9 o'clock, as he did every morning of his long life with, with his spouse, to have breakfast with his wife. And at one point, I said to him, you know, you don't have to go at 9 o'clock. She barely recognizes you, and she doesn't even know that it's 9 o'clock. If you're a little late, you can go there at 9, 30, 10, or you, or you don't have to show up at all. He says, I know. She doesn't know that it's 9 o'clock, but I know that it's 9 o'clock. She doesn't know that it's me, but I know that it's her, and that's all I need. In a way, that's that ultimate type of love. I love just because, not because now I'm having fun during breakfast, not because it's 9 o'clock and it's a good way to start the day, but just because I love because we're one, and that oneness doesn't need any reason. It's a beautiful sentiment that runs throughout not just uh, the biblical instruction and the biblical teachings, but through great literature, too. Many people would recognize a story similar to that through a movie and a novel that was famous about 15, 20 years ago, The Notebook. I like to think of a, of, of, uh, a famous play, Man of La Mancha, uh, about a, a character named uh, uh, Don Quixote. And uh, this was where we get the phrase tilting at windmills. He would he would go after windmills on his horse with a sword, thinking they were great, you know, soldiers he had to tackle. And his uh, he was he was a madman. He was like quite literally crazy. Uh, but he had an assistant or a, a a knight errant who would join him named Sancho Panza, and uh, they would go from bar and cantina to bar and cantina. And someone asks Sancho Panza. Why do you follow this man? Why are you his number two? Why do you go with him on these quests of these illusory quests? And he says a line that I think you're speaking to. I just love him. Mm. I can't say why. I just love him. Mm. Uh, it's about seeing something more important than the surface, isn't it? That's right. And, and very well said. I love that line. It's and a beautiful play. Ways, if you haven't seen it, it's a beautiful play. I, I, will, I should see it. But um, in many ways, that love, therefore, is indestructible yeah, yeah. because it has no reasons. Yeah. So um, nothing can really nothing destroy it, it or nothing can, yeah. can destroy it. That's correct. I will add to that that I think that this is also a love that understands deeply that we are not two separate beings but yeah. rather one. Yeah. So not loving you will really be not loving myself. And... I love myself just because I'm myself. I have to love myself. And sometimes I don't find anything good in myself. I still love myself. I have to love myself in order to live. And in many ways, if you are a part of myself, I love you also just because. When we did this last time, and you described love that way as not two separate beings with two separate loves, but a unification of being, we got an interesting email from someone, and I think I passed it on to you and how it changed his whole perspective. And I want to bear down on this a moment. I'm putting aside my notes on this point, this notion of unifying things. Um, because, yes, the two kinds of love. Um, other other theologians, like C.S. Lewis, has four different kinds of love, and we can get into that in his description of those kinds of love. 
but the unifying of very many elements. Um, you brought in something today that are four distinct elements, mm-hmm. and yet they unite to be something all as one. Do you want to describe what you brought in today? Yes, so it's one I'm of the... talk th- about uniting <laughs> things that seem separate but turn out to right, be... Right, and that's the theme, really, of, yes, of these right, days. Right. But uh, one of the beautiful Jewish traditions during this holiday of the tabernacles is that we shake what is called the lulav set, which is a set of four different species, a palm branch, a willow branch, a myrtle branch, and a type of citrus. And we unite them together, and again, we shake them. The reason we do that, one of the reasons we do that, is because each of these species really represent a different type of human being. Some are um, at the highest level, like the citrus, which has both taste and smell, depth and impact, which is really what they relate to. Taste is depth, and smell is uh, impact. And, and uh, one of those species really don't have taste nor smell, like the willow branch. But on, the, but on this festival, we unite them all together almost to convey this very message that there is something we can learn from every human being, or as the Jewish sages put it in the Ethics of Our Fathers, who is wise, who he, uh, he who learns from every human being. There is something indeed we can learn from everyone. And thus, that power of unity, when we are united and when we understand that we are all in this together, learning from each other, nothing can destroy us. It's, um, it's four distinct things that are united together into one thing. It's, it's an interesting thing when I think about that, the lulav that you brought in and that you're talking about, and the four loves that uh, the theologian Lewis describes. There's the love of uh, someone through family. You love a nat- naturally, you love your family. There's the love between friends. Perhaps you and I might have that kind of thing. There's eros, which is romantic love. There's agape, which is the love of God and uh, for man. And and then there's the essential love, which brings them all together. And it's the essence that I wanted to talk about. It's an interesting word, essence. When you think of the medieval philosophy, the word quintessence. Mm. A lot of people will say something is the quintessence, the highest level of something. It's the unification of the four essences of earth, air, wind, and fire. And we do that a lot here, not only in Judaism, but in other faiths. It's putting everything we have together in our experience as one important thing. And maybe if that's not too philosophical, we can come back on the importance of finding what is essential, uh, both in Judaism and uh, in the rest of the Bible. Rabbi Pichas Lushan, I will be right back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush, the host of the uh, Rabbi Alush podcast on Apple Podcasts, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. His most recent one, there are only five minutes that can change your life. His most recent recent one is, is titled, It's How You Finish. And we're going to talk about that. I was getting a little Kabbalistic with the rabbi in the audience as we went to break. Let me try and bring it down to earth a little bit more. But the kinds of love you're talking about between God and man which is the essence of the email you sent out this morning. It's also what C.S. Lewis talks about as the highest form of love, if I understand him right. It's the essence. Um, great French uh, writer and hero of World War II, uh, uh, Saint Antoine Saint-Exupéry, wrote a beautiful book called The Little Prince, mm-hmm. uh, died uh, bombing the Germans. Uh, one of the greatest pieces of 
young literature, but probably really literature for adults of all time. One of the most famous lines in there, he says, is, um, uh, uh, it is only through the heart that one sees what is essential cannot be seen with the eye and the eyes. And it seems to me essence, getting to the essentials of things. That's what Simchat Torah is about. That's what this holiday coming up this weekend about. This is what you're talking about, it Mm -hmm. seems to me, when you're talking about it's how you finish. Talk about the essence of love. Talk about bringing together seemingly disparate things to get to the root of the root. Right. And, um, you know, we can can speak about the subject. No, we can speak about the subject forever. But I, I will maybe condense it into this following thought that also comes from the Talmud, um, the Jewish sages of 2,000 years ago, who really asked the simple question of why is it that some stars are bigger than the sun, yet we don't see their light, or we barely see their light. We surely don't feel their warmth. And the reason is simple. It is because we are too far away from them. Uh If we were a little closer, we would be able to see their light and feel their warmth. Mm Same with human beings, same with God, and same with everything. Mm -hmm. If we come close to a human being, then that human being won't appear dark anymore. We'll see his or her light and feel his or her warmth. The closer we get, the more we realize that there's a tremendous light in everything. And uh, I will add even another layer to that, and that is that the closer we get, the more we realize that what the other has, I also have. The other has a source of light in him. I also have that source of light in him. And in fact, that is what unites us, that divine particle, if I may call it that way, that really we all share. And if we come together, we create that image of God that ought to be wholesome. And that is the essence of everything. This should be the essence of our relationship, the essence of love, of our relationship with ourselves and of our relationship with God. If we don't feel God, it may be because I'm distant from God. If I don't feel love with someone else, it may be because I'm distant from someone else. If I have the courage to come a little bit closer, to truly make an effort to dive into the other person's divine particle, there I will see that light and there I will sense that warmth. It's a great word, essence, uh, because it it goes to what is essential, what is important, what is lasting, the kind of thing you were talking about this eighth-day holiday, this extra holiday. You know, it's it's the holiday for people who don't fully understand how, how the Jewish faith reads the Bible every weekend. They go through a portion every week. We talk about the weekly portion, and we have just concluded the last part of Deuteronomy. So, right, next week we start from the very beginning all over again, correct, Mm -hmm. with Genesis. That's correct. And it seems interesting to me. It happens every year at the same time. It's also the same time every school year begins. Mm. Isn't that interesting? And there are some, you know, historical reasons for why the school year tends to begin in September, and it has to do with sometimes agriculture, but it sometimes has to do with the seasons too, which it seems to me has something to do also with the um, with the uh, with the fronds and the citron you brought in. That's yes? right. Yes, there is indeed there is a sense of rejuvenation, yeah. or of uh, even transformation and learning. Learning and, is the essence of uh, this. That's right. 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 And learning, right. especially during the season. Right. And uh, I think I think you know it is all connected, as you were saying. We and the reading of the entire 
Torah or the five books of Moses. And then we started immediately uh, to, to renew that cycle once again. And I think there's something quite beautiful also if we were to draw a parallel between this reading and the season we're in, or like you said, the four species of vegetation that I just brought in. I think it's interesting because that renewal happens not during the spring when we would think it right. would happen because right. that's when really, right. right, again, renewal, true renewal happens. Right. But it happens when we're about to transition into the winter. Maybe it is to teach us that in the winter we may think that things around us are dead mm-hmm. and dry. Mm-hmm. But no, mm-hmm. they o- are only going through their own renewal, a renewal that will demonstrate itself in the spring season, but a renewal that begins now. What a lesson for life. Sometimes we find ourselves in moments that are dry and dead, or we find people that we think are dry and dead. And if we were truly to believe that there is some renewal happening in them, maybe they're dry and dead because they're so focused inwards that on the outside that don't show anything, then we'll also be patient enough to see that renewal that will come in the near future. Yeah, that's right. We often have the expression of a wolf in sheep's clothing, but maybe a lot of people are sheep in wolf's clothing, (laughs) right? Maybe they're a little harder on the outside, and we just need to work on what's on the inside. Again, what's important and what's essential, which gets me to your podcast of the week, Rabbi Alush, um, titled It's How You Finish. And you have this wonderful story that I immediately gelled to because it's about—was—is about a once-famous runner— uh, from Tanzania named John Stephen Akwari. You want to tell the story of John Stephen Akwari? Right. It's a great story of John Stephen Akwari, who is etched in the Again, memory. learn from all men, folks. Learn <laughs> from all men. That's right. He's, he's etched in the memory of the Olympics, not because he won a medal, but quite the opposite. In the 60s, he participated in the Olympics, I think it was in 1968. 68. 68. In Mexico, yeah. That's right. Uh, representing his country, Tanzania, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, unfortunately, during his 5,000-meter uh, race, he, uh, he, he stumbled and he fell to the ground. And with tremendous courage, he was able to pick himself up, even though he was seriously injured, and continue on the race. By the time he reached the finish line, half the stadium was already gone. And they asked him afterwards, why did you pick yourself up? You could have just said, I quit. Why did you have to get to the finish line? And he responded so powerfully, my country did not send me to this race to begin the race. My country sent me to this race to finish it. That's right. So I had to finish it. That's and right. what a powerful message for all of us. You know, it's easy to start things. We have one-day wonders in uh, the sports world and many other worlds. Mm-hmm. But how about being consistent and finishing that which started? That is so much harder, but in a way, speaking of essence— that is the essence of life. And if I read the, as I read the story, I didn't know the story until you until I listened to your podcast. As I understand, he did this tumble halfway through, or about halfway through. Mm-hmm. So he easily could have stopped. Right. And he was beaten and bloodied, but he finished. So when we come back from break, I want to talk about just that: the importance of finishing something. Rabbi Pinchas Solution. I will be right back. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. Welcome back. He's the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. Check it out. It's about three to five minutes every week. Change your life in those three to five minutes. He's also the head rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefillah in Scottsdale on Shea Boulevard, T-E-F-I-L-L-A-H. It means house of prayer 
And as he likes to uh, invite, everyone is welcome, religious or not, Jewish or not. And his um, podcast this week, It's How You Finish, telling the story of this runner from Tanzania in the Mexico Olympics, John Stephen Akwari, who has a tremendous tumble and halfway through, but does ultimately finish because he said his country didn't send him 5,000 miles to start, but they sent him 5,000 miles to finish. And that's really the story of the holiday, too, isn't it, uh, in a way? It's the finishing of the reading of the Torah, uh, of the five books of Moses that we do every week, as as you were speaking about. And when I heard your story and I was relating it to Simcha Torah, the celebration, I couldn't help but go to a, a familiar, uh, to, familiar to many ears uh, portion in um, Ecclesiastes, mm. which is written by King Solomon. The race does not belong to the swift. The race does not belong to the swift, uh, nor the war to the mighty. Neither do the wise have bread, nor do the understanding have riches, nor the knowledgeable favor, for time and fate will overtake them all. Uh, we have, we all have our jobs to do, and just because we aren't fast doesn't mean we shouldn't run the race. Just because we're not going to finish first doesn't mean we shouldn't complete the task before us, yes? That's right, and sometimes the key to success is specifically not running through it mm-hmm. or being fast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's walking through it mm-hmm. step by step by step. You know, it's interesting because let's go to the an- world of animals. Yeah. As we all know, <clears throat> gazelles are not as fast as cheetahs. Cheetahs prey on gazelles, but they don't catch them every time. And the big question is why? If they are faster than gazelles, they should be able to catch them every time. And the answer is simple, because cheetahs can, go- can run very, very fast for a very short amount of time. Gazelles can't run that fast, but they can run for a long period of time. And therefore, they can evade the cheetahs that get tired very quickly. And what a lesson for life. Some people run very fast, but they get also very tired very quickly, and they quit. And really, life is not about running very fast sometimes, or most times, or maybe all times. Life is about walking, running at our own pace, but um, making sure that we are there for the long run, that we can indeed finish every race that we begin. You know, that's an interesting distinction I hadn't thought of in relation to a story. I was at an airport once, uh, privileged to be with someone most in the audience whose name they would know. I won't use it right now. And we were sitting, and someone a little lesser well-known comes up and starts telling us all about we're on the same plane, as it turns out. We're waiting for the same plane to board. And she starts telling us about this activity and this activity and how busy she is doing X, Y, Z, A, B, C, F, G, H, I and then walks away after we spent a few appropriate moments with her. And I said, man, I didn't know she was that successful. And hmm. this man said to me, is she successful or is she just busy? <laughs> right? Right. Interesting distinction. Sometimes we have to think about it that way too, don't we? That's about the one long run, or can you just do a lot of little things fast? That's it's a little right. different, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, it reminds me of a great Jewish story, a Hasidic story, about one of the great Hasidic masters, Rabbi Levi of Berdichev. His name was, yes. And uh, he once stepped out of his home, and he sees one of his students running. So he says, hey, where are you running to? He says, well, I'm running to make a living. And the rabbi says, well, th- then, uh, you know, if your living is in front of you, then it makes sense. 
But what if your living is behind you? Right. Then you'd be just distancing yourself more and more from it. And that's that's such a powerful lesson about life altogether. We run. We find ourselves in these rat races of life that sometimes we ought to stop and say, one second, where am I running to? Maybe it's not about you know speeding through life and yeah. doing as much as Maybe it's about thinking first yeah. as to where is my true purpose, where's the meaning of life altogether, and then running towards that one step at a time, one race at a time. And maybe the success is when you're on that path running in the wrong direction, knowing that and being the first to turn around and make a U-turn, mm. right? right? Very well said. A chuva? The chuva. The chuva return, return. Which is a hugely important thing in our mm-hmm. in Judaism. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about forgiving debts. We're going to talk a little bit about giving loans, because I believe that's what we read about tomorrow, is it not? That's right. Rabbi Pinchas Solution, I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, host of the Rabbi Alush podcast on Apple Podcasts and uh, head rabbi, chief rabbi at uh, Congregation Beth Tefillah, House of Prayer on Shea Boulevard. Uh, one more thing before I do get to the uh, Torah portion, the biblical portion of the week that you will be reading tomorrow in synagogue, Rabbi. One more thing about this pas- passage in Ecclesiastes, uh, which we think is written by Solomon, right? That's correct. Yeah, King Solomon. Wisest of all. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, King Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes that the race does not belong to the swift. What's interesting, I almost wonder if everything you stand for isn't represented in this portion of Ecclesiastes, book nine of it, because right before that, right before he says that, he, um, he says, whatever your hand attains to do, as, li- as long as you are with your strength, do it. Because you've talked about whatever your gift is. We've talked a lot about this. Mm -hmm. This is what you must do. This is what you must nurture. This is what you must find. And it will help you pursue your happiness and find your happiness when you discover your gift and do it, your God-given gift. And then the part right after the race is, uh, is not to the swift. So two sections later, there's this wonderful line that we've talked about again and again and again which is we do not know when our time is up, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about living right. every day as if it's your last. He compares it to a fish in a trap. Time falls on us suddenly. Almost everything is right there in King Solomon's everything. three three passages. That's right, and and uh, everything is right there because it's really the the recipe for life. Yes, right. This the, that life is not a sprint; it is a marathon, right. as we were just speaking. And uh, also this idea that we have to live life fully yep. during while running this marathon right. because we never know when that final day may come. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful thought. But I will add to that, you know, that um, it, back to this idea that life is not a sprint. It is a marathon. I'm reminded of uh, one of the wisest teachers I had in school who would often tell us, look, uh, don't forget that uh, you are in the school not to achieve good grades, not to achieve even a good score in the high school altogether. But I want you to remember that you are in the school so that you can achieve a good life. Mm-hmm. It's not about the next year or the next four years. Mm-hmm. It's about life altogether. And uh, it stayed with me because in many ways, that's the perspective that King Solomon shares. We have to think about life altogether. Where's my life going? 
And I guess if we want to divine some of that out or take some, distill some of that out of this week's uh, reading that you'll be doing in synagogue tomorrow, we're going to be reading about being generous. Yeah. We're going to be reading about forgiving debts, if I have this right, and we're going to be reading about giving loans. And it says very explicitly, when you give a loan, give readily and without regret. So God will do the same for us. Yes? That's correct. Yes. You know, give... I added the last part. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. And, but it, it, that's without also... Without regret. Yeah, that, okay. Right, without regret. But certainly God behaves to, to man the way man behaves to man, or man behaves to, towards God himself. But I think that giving is really at the center stage of the human experience. Mm-hmm. And the reason it is at the center stage of the human experience is connected back to what King Solomon says. Because at the end of the day, as we've mentioned in the past, we only truly own what we give. What we take does not go with us anywhere. What we give stays in the hearts of the people that we've touched. And therefore, in order to truly create a meaningful journey in this marathon that we are running, we have to focus on giving and giving and giving more. And that's why we have so many verses, not just in tomorrow's reading, but I would say in the Bible altogether, that are dedicated to giving. And let me let me add, if if I may, one more thing about giving. You know, it's interesting. I was just told this uh, not not long ago, and it's just an interesting uh, 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 observation. But in Israel, in the country, in the state of Israel, there are two seas. One sea is called the Dead Sea. Yeah. The other sea is the sea up north, which is the Sea of Galilee, which yeah. is responsible for a lot of the water that the citizens are drinking. And uh, he asked me the question: Why is it? that the sea down in the south is called the Dead Sea. I mean, find a better name for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he answered, I'll tell you why. Because it only takes, doesn't give anything. It only takes rain. Uh-huh. Really, no one drinks from that sea. Yeah. So it's dead. Yeah. When you only take and you don't give, yeah. you're almost dead, spiritually dead, emotionally dead. By the way, as long as we're talking about rain, this is a time for a prayer for rain, is it not? That's right. Tomorrow we start in Jewish synagogues across the world asking for rain. Yeah. Indeed, because this is the season that we are transitioning to. Yeah. But um, the question is not just what we ask for, but the question is what will we do Mm -hmm. with that which we receive after asking for that? Mm -hmm. And that is particularly true with rain. If God gives us rain, what are we going to do with that rain? Yeah. If we don't do anything with it, if we don't give it, if we don't share it, then just like the Dead Sea, we too might be a little bit dead. And water itself, back to the word essence, is the essence of life, is it not? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, rain, water, which points, of course, to the other side of the coin. Yep. And that is that the more you give, the more alive you are. That's right. And I think it's true. People that are givers, you know, it, it fascinates me. I visit, as a rabbi, I visit uh, many, many hospitals and many different types of hospitals, but there's one thing that all nurses I find have in common, and that is that they have this tremendous positive energy, these smiles that are just infectious. And I ask myself, wow, they are in some of the worst of places. They see so much suffering, yet they smile so much, and they give off this this tremendous energy. And my answer, I think, and you're welcome to disagree, but my answer is because they are givers. The more you give, the more full of life you have, the more life you have, and the more joy, therefore, you have. The less you give, the more miserable you may be. 
I could try to improve on that, but I would fail. So I will leave it with that. Rabbi Pinchas Salush, thank you very, very much. Thank you for the gifts you brought in. Thank you for your presence, which is always a gift. Thank you for everything you are to uh, your congregants and to the community. Thank you. I'll be right back with a final thought. Thank you, Rabbi. Thanks for uh, spending your week uh, with us and obviously this last hour with us. Uh, Portions of this show brought to you by uh, our great uh, sponsors, Y Refi, based here uh, locally, headquartered here locally. You can visit them. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. If you do visit them, they promise you no sales pitch because they leave that to me. No signing up for anything. They just like talking about what it is that they do and um, leave the rest up to you and me. What they do have, though, is a great investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. If you are concerned about stock market volatility or possible recession or inflation, not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it. No loss of principal, no penalty if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, which is a due diligence approved firm. And you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. That's 888-YREFI-24. Rabbi Alush was so great with us talking about everything from the essentials of life to love to our duty and knowing our duty as we know it. I keep wanting to, I have this in my notes, I never got got to do it with him. Haven't yet got to do it with him. Maybe we'll be able to do it next week. Um, But in all he does in speaking about love, one of the great professors I've always liked on this issue, someone who passed away 20, 25 years ago, Leo Buscaglia, was a professor at USC, University of Southern California, wrote uh, many, many books on the topic. Interestingly enough, started his career uh, as uh, working with uh, disabled children, children who uh, were born with disabilities, wrote the first textbook on parents and disabilities. But his thesis was that love is a learned phenomenon, and he dedicates his uh, first book on love. It's an interesting dedication to his parents. He says, because they were my best teachers of love, because they never taught me, they showed me. They never taught me, they showed me. And that reminded me of that great... Edgar Guest poem, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon any time. It's how we act at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, Very uh, Aristotelian point. So uh, let me wish you a happy, safe, and healthy weekend of um, teaching. Uh, Teaching the best of things, not necessarily by words, but by actions. David Dahl, thank you, sir. Mr. Bill, thank you, sir. To the rest of you in the audience, I am Seth Liebson, and thank you. God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.